In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. So, uh, Woody, what did you think of this episode of Craig's List? Oh, it was weak. I was never interested. Although the, the part of Carla was played with gusto and verve, and uh, the guest had a delightful cameo role. A puckish satire of contemporary mores, a, a droll spoof aimed more at the heart than the head. Wow. <laughs> I think I just saw Woody Allen. He came in just to review our podcast, which is odd because we haven't even recorded this episode, but he already had opinions on it. Amazing. That seemed like a young Woody Allen, though. That was, <laughs> that was not the Woody Allen from Crisis and Six Scenes. That's a real get right there. <laughs> that is a good get. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're going to trumpet that guest more than our actual guest. Uh, oh, no. Come on. <laughs> yeah. No. Way what to a, introduce someone. What Jeez a Louise. low blow. I'm a super big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. It's Craigslist, episode 47, number 54 in the list. It's another Woody. It's another Woody, Carla. Are you excited? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is the third of seven Woody Allen films on Craigslist, and it's called Love and Death from Night. Love and Death. From 1975. And we do have a special guest today. He is an actor, writer, improvisor, and this is his first podcast appearance ever, he just told us. So be nice to him, folks. It's James Dunn. Hello, everybody. Thanks (laughs) thanks for having me into the Nerve Center, the Lion's Den. It's nice to see uh, Carla's disinterest in person. (laughs) (laughs) Can you put into words exactly what it's like? Uh, Nap time. It's like nap time. It is. It is nap time. It's it's close to noon. So this is usually when I take a nap too. It's as (laughs) everything Carla does, she does it with gusto. So even feigning interest is done with such verb. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, disinterest is impartiality. Okay. So, but know, impartiality is subjective. <laughs> well, subjectivity is objective. But that's being empirical. I don't even know what they say, but I know there's a lot of fun stuff. That that was one of my favorite parts. We're talking about the movie now, right? <laughs> sure. Let's let's get into yes. it. Let's immediately start talking about the. I thought that was so funny in the movie when they were having their philosophical. Yes. Uh, argument. Empirical arguments. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this is a uh, – well, first of all, James, uh, I, I I have you on today because I know that you're a big Woody Allen fan. Yes. And what, he listens to the podcast. And you're a big Craigslist fan. <laughs> yes, Craig's I, won, I, won the, uh, the, I won the essay contest. <laughs> so I got to – this means a lot. What was the title of your essay again? Uh, Benny and Why He Matters. <laughs> <laughs> That's an angle that a lot of people did not come at the podcast uh, with. And so, yeah, we honored that. We didn't read the essay. We just liked the title. Next yeah. We should do an art contest where we ha- we send out a picture of Benny and they have to draw it like wow. they used to do in those magazines. I've sure. Done, I've done lots of sketches of the both of you. Oh, <laughs> nice. If you can draw Benny, you can get into hey, what's that Craig's tattoo, James? 
Which one? This one? No, oh. the, fake, the fake Benny one. Why it's no? Why it's you, Carla? That would have worked if you didn't really have a tattoo in your arm, but because you really I did, looked down. he looked down. I thought down. you were actually interested oh, in my, the worst. my two strange tattoos. So yeah, you've been listening to this podcast from the beginning, mm-hmm. and whenever I see you. Uh, you always guess as to what my number one movie is. Mm-hmm. Well, you still don't know? You still, he, I still haven't guessed He it, still no. does not know, and he doesn't want to be told. He wants to guess the correct answer. Okay. So right here, live on this podcast, I'm going to give you three guesses okay. as to my number one movie. Oh, you can't is... do this because then it's going to ruin it for well, everybody. Well, if he, if he guesses the correct one, I will bleep it out. Okay. I will bleep it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, what, what do you think <laughs> that the number one movie on Craigslist is? Crawl. <laughs> You're getting a waste to guess on crawl. No, okay, that was my okay. Okay. one joke one for real. One joke one. You got one joke one. Three real ones. That's um, those are the rules. Uh, okay. Always leave with the joke. Now at this point we have. I, I I bet we've teased practically all the movies that are remaining on the list. That right. at some point we've mentioned or talked about them or let them slip. Well, yeah, you always otherwise. do that whenever you talk about something. Yes. We'll be we'll talk about that a little later, um, which is. Intoxicating. <laughs> I'm glad somebody thinks so. I ever, I, yeah. I, well, okay. So, do you remember what you've guessed in the I, past? See, that's the thing. I don't remember. I think I've guessed Ishtar. I've made a lot of joke guesses too that I hope. Uh, I hope. I hope you didn't think I was being serious about. But you wished her. I'm thinking it might be a comedy. You don't have to see yes, say yes or no. Okay. I'm thinking it could be. I don't think I've guessed this one. Hannah and her sisters. Hannah and her sisters yeah. is top ten. But not yeah. number one. All right. Not number one. Okay. Um, and I don't think it's Kubrick, although part of me wants to say Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove on the list, not number one. And for my final guess, crawl. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the joke is the truth. <laughs> Sometimes the joke is the truth. The I story re- of my life. I really think it's crawl. No, I, I was going to say Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. No. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark on the list, not I number one. I love Temple of Doom. Right. I like my both. favorite one. I like Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom is your favorite? Yeah, that's because I think that one was the one. That was your first? I think Raiders of the Lost Ark, I was too young when it came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still watched it, but I think Temple of Doom, I was like old enough to go see it in the theater. Ooh, it came out in 84. You would have been four I'm years just old. just kidding. But I don't know why I watched Temple of Doom more than Raiders. Uh-huh. Oh, maybe because I Short liked round. the lady. You probably had it on VHS. Yeah. You know, whatever you have on VHS, you wear out. <laughs> right. You liked Kate Capshaw? Wait, when did, when did Raiders of the Lost Ark come out then? 81. Oh my God. You were one. I was I, one. I was two when that came out, but I saw it in the yeah, theater. We're the same age. <laughs> we are. <laughs> this bump. Did oh, your yeah, parents really take you to Raiders no, as no. a toddler? No, the first <laughs> movies I remember going to with my were with my aunt, my aunt Mary, who was much older, my great aunt. She would get saddled with watching me all the time. And we, I remember we saw Transformers, the movie in the theater. We saw Is that the, the animated one, the animated, the first one that has the song that they make. You've fun got of. the touch. You've got the touch. Mm. We saw that in the theater. I saw Beetlejuice in the theater with me her. Too. Um, Not with which, her. which, <laughs> <laughs> which was really cool. But yeah, no, th- those were before my time. My brother is nine years older than me. So he was into Star Wars and all the Indiana Jones mm. movies before I really knew what yeah. movies were. So that stuff kind of trickled down to you. Yes. I got to destroy his pristine toys uh, <laughs> as, as the eighties move, moved along. Good. Did yes. you get hand me down VHS copies from him? 
Well, so the interesting thing in my family was, and this actually goes back into Woody Allen is my dad obsessively purchased. I don't know if you remember the first laser disc players mm-hmm. that had the like, uh, the movies that were <clears throat> kind of rectangular and you put them in and then you would slide the sheath out and then the movie would play. Yes. And they were stored kind of like record albums were because yes. they were about the exact size of a record album. Yeah. yeah. Yes. We never had a laser disc player, but I had friends that did and I, I envied them. Yeah. Cause you could skip through so fast. That was what was so cool. Like yes. you could just press a button and be right in the middle of the movie as opposed to like fast forwarding and fast forwarding. Anyway, um, my dad hoarded these movies and he, there was this place called Niver Electronics, which I remember going to as a kid and he'd be like, go pick eight movies out there, a dollar or whatever. <laughs> I think eight, eight for a dollar. So I would just get all of these movies, some of them that were inappropriate for me, some that were appropriate for me. And he didn't give a shit. He was just like, get what you want. So yeah. So I forget what the question was exactly, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, th- oh, so those movies were s- essentially my hand me downs. Those were the things that I watched over and over again. The question was Benny, why does he matter? Benny, why does he matter? Because of his little jingle jangle. It makes it, it can turn a frown upside down. That's what I jingle listened for. Jangle. Uh, so how did you first get into Woody Allen? I first got into Woody Allen with the early comedies. My dad would sit me down and, he would just scream at them. He thought so this is so bananas funny. sleeper. Take the bananas money and run. sleepers. T- take the money and run. Uh, Casino Royale, which isn't technically a Woody Allen movie, but he's but, in it. Yeah, but he's in it. I've never seen that. Oh, he's he's got some really funny parts in it. Is it's that a James Bond movie? Well, it it's, it's odd because it's a spoof of James Bond, but they literally bought the rights to the novel Casino Royale, which for some reason Albert Broccoli had not made into a into a James Bond movie yet. It was the first. Uh, Ian Fleming novel, I believe. Yes, I think so. And somehow they had the rights to it and they turned it into a comedy with Woody Allen and... I think Peter Sellers is in it. I think Peter Sellers is in it. I think Orson uh, Welles is in it. Yeah. We gotta see like, that. That sounds fun. It's an all-star also, cast. Also, did you say Albert Broccoli? <laughs> I did. I think that's the guy's name. He's like the, the James vegetable? Bond producer. Yeah. Weird. Albert Broccoli. Broccoli. Yeah, I think he's Italian, I believe. And Broccoli. I, but I believe maybe he comes from the family that for which the vegetable is actually named. What? What are you talking about? I don't know. I might be talking out of my ass. Jesus named If broccoli, I was at home okay? late. Jesus named all vegetables. <laughs> See, now this is a moment in person. I can't get on my computer and just be like, this is bullshit. <laughs> this can't be right. This cannot be right. That is my favorite part of the New Testament is Jesus names the vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. I love that part too. <laughs> Uh, so, so you watch the, the early funny ones. Watch the early funny ones. And then, um, I mean, they just, those comedies mean so much to me. Not only were they a bonding experience for me and my dad, but they sort of, in a way, kind of set my sense of humor, kind of. Uh-huh. Um, because I had seen other com like The Jerk is probably one of my favorite all time comedies. Yeah, maybe, that was huge for me as well. Maybe the funniest movie I've ever seen. But, um, uh, those early comedies kind of set like the different, the, the thing about them is Woody Allen uses the high and the low better than anybody else. He can have like in this movie, a philosophical conversation and then completely undercut it with just the dopiest, funniest, silliest, either face mug or Groucho Marx style, you know, collar tug. And it just works on so many levels. So I don't know. I feel like, there was a lot of smart stuff happening, so but rather than get alienated, I got sucked in by all the all yeah. the gags. 
I think this movie is kind of seen as his transition uh, into, you know, more serious adult comedies, you know, more relationship based. Annie Hall was his next one mm-hmm. after that, where he might maybe kind of perfected his formula after that. But because this is kind of like coming out of his broader, more madcap, anything goes comedies, mm-hmm. it does have kind of that equal blend of high and low mm-hmm. in it, you know, and but I, you can also see like how this directly translates to Annie Hall because all of the talking to camera. Yeah. That I thought whole, that too. Yeah. I was that, watching it. Yeah. The whole setup at the beginning and then the moments of breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Um, our stuff he used even better in Annie Hall. Yeah. Uh, and did you, with your dad, also watch some of like the uh, like Marx Brothers and Chaplin stuff too? Like some of the stuff that was influential on Woody for this picture? Yes. So my dad is, was – I was born when he was 37. So he was – my dad was born in 1942. So all of that stuff, Jack Benny, Woody Allen, the Marx Brothers, my dad is a huge um, uh, Laurel and Hardy fan. He's uh-huh. got like a big Laurel and Hardy poster up in the basement. Mm. Um Yes. So I already knew uh, and had those influences on me uh, growing up, staying up, watching the Johnny Carson's show and seeing like Groucho come on, like even, well, that would have been before, but watching the Carson's comedy classics and stuff when I was a kid. So yeah. I had kind of a, a knowledge of all these people. <clears throat> so to completely see it mashed up in Woody Allen was very, it just gave me a very warm feeling, I guess, as a kid. There's uh, footage of me from... Uh, Christmas 1922. From 1922. Here we go to Craig Kukowski live <laughs> in front of the Hindenburg. I'm immortal. I've been around forever, folks. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's Christmas of 82, so I would have been 13 years old. I got a Groucho Marx ventriloquist doll for Christmas. And uh, first of all, 13 is the worst time to be photographed or videoed. Yeah, you know. your head had not grown into your ears yet. That's correct. Thank you, Carla, <laughs> for, for putting it so uh, vividly. Uh, yeah, my ears and nose are giant. My head is half the size it is. I believe I have braces, uh, acne. I, so I'm just cute, so though. awkward. I would have done that. And so you see me <laughs> opening up this present of a Groucho Marx ventriloquist doll and then immediately picking it up and and mouthing it saying of like, uh, last night I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How I got in my pajamas, I'll never know. Uh, <laughs> it's really cute. Can you post that? Uh, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> Can I? I believe the technology exists. Uh, I'm gonna have to borrow the the VHS from my sister probably. Yeah. I think she she has it, but no, I, I don't think I'm gonna. We won't be putting that out there. I think you should uh, tweet at us if you want us to put it out there. <laughs> don't don't don't. I'd like to see it. <laughs> put really hashtag cute. put it out. <laughs> it's cute. Uh, another of the big influences on Woody Allen apparently on his comic persona, which uh, I don't really know firsthand because I haven't really seen any of his movies, is Bob Hope. You know, yeah. I know Bob, the later day Bob Hope of hosting the Oscars and having his specials, you know, with all these, you know, cheesy, uh, mild mannered jokes about politics, mm-hmm. you know, that are kind of like on both sides of the aisle. But I guess I've never seen one of the road pictures with Bing Crosby or, but, uh, Bob Hope kind of perfected this cowardly, mm-hmm. pers- but wisecracking persona and also very vain i think yeah he was like a wisecracker but he was he was very wayne very wayne very vain but and also considered himself 
a ladies' man, even though he was a bit of a coward. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's all the qualities that Woody Allen is kind of showing in his comic persona, but especially in this movie, you know, yeah. thinking of himself as sexually magnetic and uh, and like a coiled jungle cat. <laughs> Blah. Blah. Uh, so do you remember the first time you saw this movie specifically, James? Uh, boy, it would have had to have been in like 1988 in the basement. Um, and I rem- the, the Were you living in I, shackled to a basement? In the me, basement. My, me and my dad hung out in the basement. And for the while, for a while, my room was down there too. There's a, my dad has his, my dad has his area mm-hmm. in the house. His that, man cave? His man, well, sort of. It's a man area. And it's surrounded by records, and it used to be surrounded by, like, a labyrinth of these <laughs> these uh, laser disc films and VHS. And he just had his little control center where he would, like, rent movies from – I hope I, he doesn't get tossed in jail from this – but rent movies from Captain Video. Had He had the double VCR set up. So he could play one and record it uh, immediately on there, which I think was illegal. And so he kept all those movies and all of his little handwriting was on there. So, so yeah. The so way it, that you set that up, I thought – I was like, I don't know what you're going to say about him getting arrested for. <laughs> the people, he would rent movies. I hope he doesn't get arrested for what I'm about to say. Oh, yeah. No, I just I just meant for, uh, for doctorate for, for ripping off Captain Video right, right, right. Uh, back in the day. And his meth lab, which was right next to that. Sure. Um, Got to do it. Which he – yeah. And we loved meth growing up. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he – Midwest, uh, so, man. So, yeah, probably around – Around then, and one of the uh, things that I remembered watching this again, I watched it last night, and I watched it this morning, and I watched it about a week ago. Oh my god! Um, it's a short one. An yeah, insane it was, person. It's, it's <laughs> the shortest movie remaining on Craig's list, I believe. Uh, no, actually, there's one shorter l- coming up later. But this was La a, Bamba. This is only, <laughs> La Bamba. <laughs> what a weird guess. <laughs> I'm going to guess that La Bamba is closer to two hours. Is La Bamba number one? (laughs) Yes. Oh, he didn't answer. (laughs) (laughs) You used your three guesses. That's true. I can't. I I wasted two on I can't reveal whether (laughs) La Bamba is my number one movie of all time. I bet it is. Um, But uh, what was I saying? I forgot. Well, I was saying that watching this movie again. The the there's a quick joke in there that I've been saying since that time. About the when for dessert they have sleet. Yes. When they get sleet, yeah. And I every time somebody has handed me a dessert, I say, "Oh boy, sleet." Um, and that so that's something that stuck with me. All of the little mugs in this movie that he does are things that I do all the time. Um, for anybody like who knows me, I do. Are you I having a heart the, attack? Nope. What's going on? <laughs> you okay, buddy? I'm all right. Just a burp. Are you overcome with tears in my burp. childhood? He had half a donut. In his it's a beautiful belly. story. Like, no. I had uh, I had a whole plate of sleet is what I had. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, uh, that would be about the time and me and my dad bonded immensely yeah. over it. I guess in retrospect, it's full of dad jokes, you know, mm-hmm. because it, it's very old school in its sensibility. Yeah. Uh, and my dad was an insurance salesman. So that joke at the end about, you know, spending an evening with ins- an insurance salesman being as good as death. I can't remember the joke exactly, but that also relates. Yeah. Um, did your dad think that joke was funny? I'm sure he did. I can't remember talking to him about it, but he's he's got a real good sense of humor about himself. 
Now, I guess I should uh, explain, if you haven't seen this movie, exactly what it's all about. It's uh, it's odd for a Woody Allen movie because it, it's uh, it's set in another historical era. It's set in the early 19th century in Russia. And so it's kind of a parody of all of those epic uh, Tolstoy and Dostoevsky novels uh, of the period, as well as kind of, of like Anton Chekhov plays. There's a little bit of that well uh, as well, the idea of people just staring out a window and in a drawing room talking about the uh, the setting sun feels very Chekhovian mm-hmm. to me. Also, isn't there a parody of a director? There's some Ingmar Bergman Ingmar parody Bergman. as well. Yeah, there's a shot that directly echoes Bergman's persona. And the whole idea of death being a persona is taken straight, being a persona, uh, is taken straight out of the seventh seal. Which I tried to watch once, and oh my god. <laughs> That is a bullshit movie. That's a real gut buster. <laughs> Holy God. Were you bored by that? Woo. I think I lasted five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the movie where Max von Sydow uh, uh, famously plays chess with death. Yeah. In it. I didn't get that far, I don't think. Yeah. Isn't you, there like death walking on the death? Death's beach? walking on the beach at the beginning of the movie. Yep. Yeah. I think yeah. that's as far as I made it. And I was like, goodbye. <laughs> How old were you? How old were you when you tried I this? tried to watch it when I was 25. Okay. <laughs> You're so much more mature now, though, Carla. I will never watch that movie. <laughs> if well, it's on your list, I'm out. I think it's number one. <laughs> I'm trying to get in more Can't guesses. Say. I'm just uh, there's no no Bergman on my list, though I did take a Bergman class in college. And so I saw about a dozen Bergman movies, oh. including The Seventh Seal then. And I've probably seen a, about another ten after that. Probably Seventh Seal and Wild Strawberries are the best. Um I don't know that I'm a big Ingmar Bergman fan. What else did he do again? Honestly. Uh, Fanny and Alexander. Nope. Don't know what that is. Um, what was the one he did with Anthony Quinn? Didn't he do one? Yes, with, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, with Anthony Quinn? Or am he, I thinking of a different Yeah, character? where he plays like a circus guy. Oh, you're thinking of Fellini's Lestrade. Oh, yeah. Fellini. Never mind. Oh. Yeah. I don't know what I'm thinking. Woody Allen stole a lot from Fellini, too. Woody Allen stole a lot from European directors. Yeah, period. And, and then from... America. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, and uh, this movie co-stars Diane Keaton. Yeah. Who was Woody Allen's uh, girlfriend at the time and starred in most of his movies of the 70s along with him. And uh, I Did th- I already tell my Diane Keaton story when I saw her in person? I think I might have. You know, we can always hear it again. This might be somebody's entry point into Craig's List, Carla. Uh, I was working in Beverly Hills uh, as a receptionist and I was like 24 or something and I went into Starbucks and this woman came, she like, I was going to open the door and she pushed open the door really fast and like walked up and almost into me and she was on the phone and she looked at me like I had done something wrong and I was like, what the hell? Excuse me. And she kept walking and I was like, that was Diane Keaton. <laughs> wow. That's a good one, huh? So kind of. I don't believe you told that story. I don't remember that story. I don't so. remember it either. Oh, okay. Uh, you're, I've you're also, I also Diane saw Keaton. Harrison Ford in a Starbucks, just so you know. <laughs> what was that story? Did he um, walk up right up to you? Like you He came in. Around? I was sitting and having coffee with a friend. He came in. Everybody looked at him and he turned around and left. <laughs> 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 he didn't order anything. <laughs> 
my friend saw Harrison Ford on the street in New York and he was eating a hot dog. And she said, you're Harrison Ford. And he said, yes, I'm Harrison Ford and I'm eating a hot dog. <laughs> tell, tell your friends. <laughs> so maybe he's just a very literal person. Sure. Um, but the reason you like that story is because you imagine that Diane Keaton just always enters rooms like that. Yeah, or leaves <laughs> leaves places in a rush. Leaves places in a rush. She did kind yeah. of have that frazzled, like neurotic. Like, Did she have a scarf and <laughs> sunglasses? I don't remember. I just remember <laughs> Diane Keaton. In my mind, she had a coat on, but that can't be right because it was Beverly Hills, probably in the middle of summer. Um, yeah. Okay, that's the end of that story. That's a good story. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, I mean, this movie is mostly Woody Allen and Diane Keaton being silly together. Yes. You know? It's cute. You can tell they're in love. There's, uh, they had co-starred in uh, Sleeper together already and, and, Probably in Played Against Sam, is she mm-hmm. in that? Yeah. She is, yes. Which he didn't direct, but he did write and uh, stars in. That might have been the first time who they were... Who broke up with who? That's a good question. I don't know. Did he, did he start dating Mia while he was dating Diane? I don't, Woody Allen I don't fans? know. I, 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 that I don't know. I, I think it ended amicably. And then he started up a relationship with uh, Mia Farrow. Yeah. And then he... Because they're still friends. Diane, they are, <laughs> Diane Keaton has defended him over the years. They has are, she defended him or has she just not come out against him? I believe she has defended him. I think, yeah. I think she's... She, she had a press conference recently. <laughs> no, I don't know. But I think she has been like, oh, quit it. He's fine. <laughs> Doing a Catherine Hepburn yeah. Oh, he's fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. Spence is the one you should have dragged through the mud. If you've never heard Diane Keaton's Catherine Hepburn, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and she's worked with him since their breakup, too. So, right. you know, she's in Radio Days and she's in Manhattan Murder Mystery, which they co-starred in. She's wonderful in that as well. Right, right, right. Um, right, right, right. Right, 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 right. Yes. Uh, and as hilarious and wonderful as she is in Sleeper, uh, which, uh, I mean, they're very much equals in that movie as well. I think this is really the peak of funny Diane Keaton, you know, and I know that Annie Hall is one of the most iconic roles in all of movies and she's incredible in that as well. And we'll be talking about that movie later. Uh, but as far as pure funny, I honestly can't think of uh, a role in which a, a woman has been allowed to be as zany as she is in in this movie though what's up doc that we're about to put out our bonus episode of what's up doc barbara streisand in that is uh very much at that level as well mm-hmm. uh melissa mccarthy in bridesmaids i think that's that's different you know you're talking about like a screwball i think vibe. i'm talking about more of a screwball vibe and, and melissa mccarthy is hilarious uh but maybe more in a, in a slapsticky thing and she's more in that chris farley you know just like uh walking through walls you know yeah, yeah. Like, i mean nobody has been allowed to do the things that melissa mccarthy do does do's. either do's do's the do do's uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, especially- she's she's in a very unique comic place as well. You know, I, I wish there was, you know, Kate McKinnon is maybe getting that place too. You know, she's got a different vibe. Um, but yeah, I, I wish there was more opportunities for people to get to do what Diane Keaton gets to do in this movie. Especially of this era. I mean, I can't think of – she was given like – 
she wasn't she was the love interest in the movie but she didn't have to just you know of that time just sort of be the pretty you know the the ingenue or whatever she was i mean there's physical comedy she's mugging the camera there is she's getting to be just as funny as her male counterpart in the movie mm-hmm. which is kind of strange of that time to see that yeah. sort of give and take I mean, there's exceptions. I mean, there's Madeline Kahn and everything she did in the 70s That's as well. True. There's Cloris Leachman in the uh, in the Mel Brooks movies as well. Um, in the last picture show, she's a she's a scream in that one. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. Catherine O'Hara in Best in Show. Sure. Zany. Yes. Well, yeah. Screwball. Yeah, that's. I true. mean, there there are ex- yeah, okay. examples. Let's just say that she's good in this. Let's not say that she's like the only one who was able to do this. <laughs> To to this degree, though, because I think they're just like so many archetypes of like you're the pretty girl who's just kind of like, you know, there to be looked at or you're the scold, you know, you're the bitchy wife or you're the ingenue or or whatever. Uh, And somehow she transcends all those archetypes and she's funnier than he is in, Mm. in this movie. She has so much to do. My favorite scene is the one where she's at the funeral with um her after her her one true love has died who's Woody Allen's brother and she's next to his wife and his wife is giving her things that, <laughs> yes <laughs> like hair or whatever and but Diane Keaton's crying yeah yeah like she's legitimately tears are coming down and it is the funniest scene i think i noticed that in the too movie. I, and it seemed like those tears were really coming like she's I, playing it like it's real and yeah he she hands her Alexi's letters and she's like, I'll take the vowels. And yeah, she's just selling it with those tears. It's played so straight, Mm -hmm. you know, like she, she really plays everything very straight. I mean, Woody is always winking at the camera, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's a little anachronistic in his performance, but she plays everything super straight and is therefore so funny. Uh, yeah, the, the plot of this movie is, uh, Woody is a young coward, uh, Boris Grushenko. Uh, this is when the Russians are fighting Napoleon in the wars. Uh, he goes off to war. He's a coward and kind of stumbles into being a hero. Meanwhile, his true love is Sonia, played by Diane Keaton, uh, who is also his first cousin. I guess that's how those things work. That's how they rolled back then. <laughs> that's how they rolled back then. And uh, just kind of their misadventures and a lot of philosophical discussions about love and about death. And about wheat. <laughs> wheat, uh, wheat, wheat, fields of wheat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and death is a character as well. But I think along, and, but most of the other actors are playing it fairly straight too. I, and I think there's not really a lot of recognizable actors in this. Harold Gould, uh, is, is one who was he, a, a known character actor at yeah, the time. He went on to play, uh, Rose's boyfriend on the Golden Girls. Yes, that's right. He played, I forget, Max or something, her, her yeah. boyfriend. And he's a really good character actor. And then the other guy who I recognize is the one who played Napoleon. Yes. He was the principal. I'm not sure of his name. The principal. In James Back Tolkien to, is the actor. Back to the Future, yeah. Yeah. Principal from Back to the Future, and he's in Top Gun as well. Uh, yeah, and he plays Napoleon as well as Napoleon's double, which is just a guy with a New York accent. <laughs> New York like, accents. how you doing, your highness? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. 
and then that scene of Napoleon and his double fumbling around in the background while the, <laughs> while the two guys are scheming in the foreground of like, oh, throughout France, they will mark my name well. <laughs> Sidney Applebaum. <laughs> I love that moment. I, I, there's no reason for them to be wrestling at all in the background. It's so brilliant. Now, Carla, had you seen this movie before? I don't think so. I thought really? I had. Okay. But maybe I have. There was, in my early 20s, my neighbor in Burbank had all of the Woody Allen movies. And this was the first time that I was like, okay, it's probably time I watch these. And so I sat down and I went through those collect. Was this one in one of those collections? Wasn't there like a three Yeah, there's a, like thing? a seven disc collection of his first seven movies. Was this in it? Well, actually not Take the Money and Run, but I think it's everything from Bananas through Annie Hall. And that would have been in it. Okay. You know? So then I probably did watch it and I just didn't remember anything about it. Yeah. Cause when we sat down, I was like, when does Mia Farrow coming in? Cause I was confusing it with a Midsummer. Midsummer Night Sex Comedy. Night Sex yes. Comedy. Yeah. Cause it's Which also is, a time period. And that's a Bergman period. parody specifically. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So then watching this one, I was like, oh, which is kind of surprising because Chekhov's my favorite playwright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shocker, everyone. <laughs> it's pretty highbrow of me, I know. What's, um, uh, what are you going to do with this gun over the mantelpiece, by the way? I don't see it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it, it better go off. Do I do that That's right? all I know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so I think I've seen it. I don't remember. Is the answer to the question. <laughs> but it didn't seem familiar as you were watching it. No, not at all. Though if you've seen a Woody Allen movie, you they tend to blur together if you've seen yeah. a bunch of them. Yeah. So they usually have Diane Keaton or Mia Farrow. Uh, the, I mean, he, he tells a lot of the same jokes throughout his entire career, you know. Right. Well, this is like the epitome of, I'm f- afraid of death. I'm afraid to die. Yes. Yes. And like just that neurotic. I mean, he does that in everything, but this one, I mean, there's literally a, a character that's death. It's also <laughs> like, like in Annie Hall, there's the little boy, uh, the actor, an actor plays him as a little boy. Yes. And almost has the exact same conversation he has in Annie Hall that, there's a conversation he has with the doctor in Annie Hall where it's like about the universe yeah, and, and like, nothing. Don't worry about that. That's not going to happen for billions of years. <laughs> and essentially has the same conversation here. So you right. really know that was yeah. going on in his mind when he was a kid. Yeah. And when you said that before, James, about how, you know, he's starting to do some of the things that you see him do later in his work. I definitely noticed that watching this um, thematically and then also breaking the fourth wall and yeah, him as a little kid flashbacks or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, okay. I thought it was funny. You guys, this is not one of the best Woody Allen movies. <laughs> oh man. Uh, it's fun. It's worth, uh, it's worth the watch. Okay. But how is this uh, higher than, Purple Rose of Cairo. Love and Death, to me, yeah, it's not the highest comedy on my list. It's the funniest movie that I know. It's the wow. movie that makes me laugh more than any other movie. And I don't know if I can articulate it beyond that, that uh, there's just more laughs for me in this movie than anything else. Okay, there's that's also- fair. I mean, that's kind of a subjective thing. So, Well, there's also more jokes in this movie than maybe it, any other movie. Every other line is a joke. It's it's constant. It's mm-hmm. a constant barrage of one-liners and like more philosophical setups for jokes. So that's why I think. I mean, there's always something. I was laugh. I I've seen it three times in the past couple weeks, and even this morning, like the, uh, the I'm not exactly sure how the line goes, but the line about 
She's like, my cockles are w- getting warm. And he goes, ugh, nothing better than hot cockles <laughs> that I was dying this morning. And I don't know what it is. They just yeah. catch me by surprise because there's so many jokes. I like the movies that still the 10th time you see it, you're still catching new jokes or, you know, or just some, something is hitting you in a way that it hadn't hit you before, you know, but it is. I think I just realized maybe I just don't like movies where it's just real, a lot of jokes and the plot doesn't really come together. Maybe I prefer comedies where there's a yeah. clear story with jokes. That's fair. I mean, it's, it's, there's a loose plot to this, well, you know, that they end up trying to assassinate Napoleon, but right, yeah. But there's no, this is what bugged me about the movie. The movie's fine and fun and then totally goes off the, the rails when they decide to go kill Napoleon. Like it comes out of nowhere. It's really weird. She's all of a sudden a different character. Uh, like the whole time she's like this narcissistic sex crazed person. Then all of a sudden they get married and she's in love with him with, with Woody Allen. And uh-huh. then she wants to go kill Napoleon out of nowhere. <laughs> and well, I was just like, what? What? They do show the transition a little bit of her being slowly warming to their married life. Yeah. It is it's a musical like montage, montage which is very silly. <laughs> and then at, by the end of the three minutes, you're supposed to just be like, okay, she's in love with him now, even though she's not loved him, which I think is way more like – the parody of that is so true. Yeah, like, it's much it's much more true for her to just never like him. Yeah, so yes. then when she all of a sudden loves him and wants to have kids with him and stuff. And then that's the second storyline. But then, ooh, I almost, I got so impassioned, I almost <laughs> spilled my LaCroix across the Liquids are flying over here, my folks. LaCroix. It's crazy. Um, but then, like, ten minutes later, she's like, let's kill Napoleon. <laughs> it's so weird. I got an idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that that's being nitpicky because whatever, it's Woody Allen, it's very broad, it's very silly. I totally get that, but it just feels like a, it just kind of jumps the shark a little bit. I Did hear I say you. that right? Jumps the shark. It jumps mm-hmm. the shark. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is uh, again like his transitional piece out of you know like uh, everything you always want to know about sex, but we're afraid to ask was his previous movie, and that literally is a collection of sketches, but uh, very much bananas and sleeper. While they have plots as well, you feel like it's a collection of comic set pieces that he kind of like conceived of individually and then had to string them together somehow. And I think Love and Death is kind of in that category too, where he's like, well, I definitely want a battle scene where I'm shot out of a cannon, you right? Know? Uh, like there's so many like great visual gags of him at war that feel like they could be in a Buster Keaton or a Charlie Chaplin movie. Uh, oh yeah, the the whole scene with hitting Diane Keaton in the head with the bottle goes to a becomes a silent film. silent movie. Yeah, yes, which is funny. That was a really funny bit. No doubt it was funny, but it just doesn't really hold together as a story. Also, the whole thing with the the countess or whatever that he hooks up with. Yes, like you think that that's going to be such a major plot point, yeah, it's and just, it's not. It's like this throwaway storyline just to get to the duel. Mm-hmm. And it's yes. like, well, why does she never come back? Like, she's like such a big deal when we meet her. Uh, other than Woody Allen and Diane Keaton, there really aren't any characters who appear than more than two or three scenes mm-hmm. in, the, in the whole thing, you know? So, so again, I think he probably like lifted pieces that he wanted out of Chekhov and Tolstoy and everything. Right. And like, uh, I just want all this stuff in the movie and then you have to figure out how to string it all together. But I think because it, the whole thing is in this silly tone, I guess I was not expecting character motivations in the way that you were. Yeah. And I, I, I don't mean to say that I was expecting it. I just think it would have held up more for me. 
sure. like yeah. Purple Rose of Cairo mm-hmm. or Zelig if there was like a beginning, middle, and end. Purple Rose of Cairo, yeah, it's much more about the story and, and the journey than right. this one is. This is yeah. like joke vehicle, joke vehicle, little bit of connective tissue, yeah. joke vehicle, joke vehicle. And so for this one to be higher, I guess I was just saying my point of view on it. Yeah. Trying to understand your point of view. But I think it's a legitimate thing to be like, this movie makes me laugh more than anything else. I think that's a totally acceptable answer. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. It's it's so funny to me. Um, is this the funniest Woody for you? Um, yes, without a doubt. As far as like jokes per square inch and just like, I'm not kidding, rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> uh I, the jokes catch me by surprise, I think is the thing. And that's what catches me, uh, by surprise in the people we were talking to about before, uh, Jack Benny, the, the Marx brothers, um, all of those old style, uh, comedians is you get sucked in and then the joke happens and you laugh and then you get sucked in and the joke happens. But it's, for me, whatever reason, it surprises me mm-hmm. consistently. And in this movie, it does a lot because there's so much. You know, yeah. I mean, we know the comic persona, which is Woody Allen, New York Jew, neurotic. Um, you know, uh, talking about masturbation and uh, making philosophical references and cultural references and complaining about Los Angeles and the woods and stuff like that. Yes. So, like, it's the exact same persona, but out of New York, and he's into 19th century Russia. Mm-hmm. So I think the the disconnect in that, you know, is, is very different and makes for a lot of good comedies. He's pretty much just – he's making no attempt <laughs> – Right. To play it, uh, in any sort of stylistic way other Not than just all. his, well, what his he own does persona. so well, I mean, just in everything is just being a coward. <laughs> yeah. And so this one kind of epitomizes that. I mean, he literally tries to not go to war. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, yeah. That part where he, it, it, they're all getting ready to go to war and everybody's got their guns and rifles and he's got his butterflies and his, uh, his, <laughs> his taxidermied butterflies and his butterfly catching net. Yeah. And then there's the gag of the, the cart pulling away and he's waving at it. He's hiding behind it. Yeah. I, I could go on about specific bits. <laughs> yeah. All day, but uh, again, I think if it would somebody not as good as Diane Keaton paired off against him, it wouldn't be an all timer for me because yeah. uh, again, she's so funny but plays it so straight and real, and she's just the perfect contrast. I to also him. laughed a lot at the scene with is it his dad that comes to visit him when he's in prison at the end with his piece of land? Yes, yes. Oh my gosh! But just Woody Allen because his dad is so crazy, and Woody Allen just keeps saying, "You're a real nut job. You're, <laughs> you're a major loon. <laughs> you're a major I'll come visit loon. you when." The rubber room. <laughs> yes. His dad's like saying all these heartfelt things. Yes. He's like, you're a major loon. That was really funny. I should start calling you a major loon more Don't often. Like, you <laughs> dare. Major loon. Before. Major loon? Major loon reporting for duty. Uh, yes, General Mayhem. Um, oh boy. <laughs> so quick. So quick. So quick. Uh, James, what did your wife think of this movie? <laughs> well, um, she didn't like it. <laughs> Had she never seen it? Uh, she had never seen it before. And um, <laughs> now we t- take you to a segment I like to call Jasmine's Quotes. It's time for Jasmine's Quotes. There's five of them. <laughs> I made. My I own. did not approve that. Where is, <laughs> where is this coming from? I made my own theme song. 
and you uh, which it. I think is far superior to the to the <laughs> Carlos Quads theme song. Very, no. very presumptuous. I'm, I made that while <laughs> using the bathroom today. <laughs> so um, we, we got some Jasmine's quotes. Jasmine's quotes. Yes, uh, me and my wife watched this movie together, and she there was a lot of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but you know, I think a lot of the reason why I found this movie funny, and maybe this is completely wrong, is because I had knowledge of all of those old great vaudeville comedians and stuff so you kind of know the shtick of it you don't have yeah. to buy too much into the reality of the story you know it's just a you know they're just gonna keep on coming and i love it um she said her first quote is if we're jumping into yeah that, absolutely um i like the score which i did too <laughs> i really love i found myself um i don't know the name of the main title it, maybe you know the, it. the whole the score is uh, I mean it was not written for this movie it's all Prokofiev yes so uh, so he's a Russian composer uh, most famous for Peter and the Wolf yes is what he's best known for it's really like jingly jangly kind of and there's a really nice melody throughout it that I've been I've been bumping it in the car lately <laughs> uh, it's beautiful it, music yeah. it really is gorgeous um, and then in regards to um, the uh, the Countess the one that's only in the one scene or has a big part and then goes away. Yes. She said, why do that lady's lips keep moving? <laughs> because the actress has this little flair. I don't know if you noticed with her, like after she talks, she'd do this little thing. She'd like get all uh, yeah, so lippy. I think, yeah. So I think she was concerned something was wrong with her. <laughs> uh, I love the scene where he goes to her bedroom and she's just voluptuous in this lingerie. And, he's, and she's like, do you like my outfit? He's like, well, I would have preferred something sexy, but... <laughs> Um, she said, is the whole thing in this time period? <laughs> She's like, I don't think I can even make it through an hour and 24 minutes of this. Yeah. Followed by this time period is not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, my lovely wife, is there nudity in this? And I think she was hoping. Maybe. She was hoping for nudity. She's like, if I got to sit here, let's see a boob. <laughs> so those are Jasmine's quotes. Thank Great. you, Jasmine. Kudos to Woody for not having a real love scene in this. Sure. Like, yeah. they just kind of show before and after. <laughs> or like rolling around underneath the blankets. You feel like I don't really want to see him making love? Correct. <laughs> That would be exactly there, what I yeah. mean. There is that great scene where he's rolling around underneath the blankets, though, then gets out to put on some oven mitts and then goes back oh, under yeah. the blankets. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see what Carla thought during this movie with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. Here's Carla on the Prokofiev score. Sounds like Christmas mu- Sounds like a Christmas movie. Right. Uh, and we, said, it sounds yeah. jingle jangly. We figured out later is that there's literally jingle bells yeah. on the uh, on the track. Yes. It made me feel like I was watching Home Alone at the top. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. That vibe. <laughs> Apparently, Woody first scored it with the music of Igor Stravinsky and thought the movie read too heavy. And so he wanted a lighter touch and went to Prokofiev hmm. instead. Yes, the Rite of Spring is very heavy. <laughs> Did you guys listen to Peter and the Wolf growing up? Yeah. yeah we we I, had a record of Leonard Bernstein narrating Peter and the Wolf. Yeah, I had that record. I, lo- I love that music. That may- Peter's theme is it one of It kind of creeps me out. Uh-huh. It reminds me of being a little kid and feeling trapped. Well, it's scary that the wolf <laughs> eats mm-hmm. all these creatures, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then somehow they get out. 
the same way I used to, I think I listened to that around the same time that I listened to Thriller. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Did Thriller freak you out when you yeah, were? Yeah, big time. Me too, actually. The Vincent Price narration, you mean? No. Yes, of course. Yeah. Are, are you talking about the whole album? Like the, the, girl, the girl is mine? No. Okay. <laughs> Every time the girl is mine came on, I'd hide right under the bed. <laughs> the just girl, freaked out. The girl is mine is a pretty bad song. I don't even know how that goes. Uh, the girl is mine, mine, mine. The doggone girl is mine. Oh, I like that song. <laughs> it's him and Paul McCartney. Yeah. And then there's a whole spoken part at the end of like uh, of them fighting over this girl. Yeah, at the end of The Girl is Mine, Vincent Price comes on as like, Darkness, the girl is mine. <laughs> <laughs> there is a song called The Boy is Mine from the 90s. Sure, that's Brandy and... Uh... Somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brandy and Friend. I remember Monica? Is Monica. There a, is there yep. a girl named Monica? Yeah. Okay. Uh, from Friends, right? Boy is mine. Yeah. Not yeah. yours, but mine. Is it the same song? Uh, different song. Okay. Uh, here's Carla. Is, isn't Mia Farrow in this? Oh my God, I've never seen this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure I had. But I probably did and just don't remember it. Uh, I gotta say, of like, this is a good looking movie, too. It's like, gorgeous. It's it, super hot. It, super hot. This movie <laughs> looks good. Um, shot in Budapest. Oh, good for you. And so it was the, the first time he had shot outside the country and then had such a miserable experience. They had rain. They had dysentery. Uh, oh. he actually was one of the only people to not get dysentery because he brought his own canned food and bottled water from Manhattan. <laughs> I read oh that to, today. So everybody else got sick around him while he was just Yeah, because Hungary would have been behind the Iron Curtain at this point in history, yes. Uh, but, I mean, for period authenticity, like, it looks great. It's very credible. The cinematography is very good. Like, the battle scenes, I actually kind of conflate it with another 75 movie set during the same area, which is Barry Lyndon. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, Barry Lyndon is some of the most famous cinematography of all time. But in my mind, I, I kind of picture some of those battle scenes as being equivalent uh, in my mind. Definitely. Um, there's a joke early on of like when he's describing his family. He's like, and it was Uncle Nikolai with his wonderful laugh. And you got to this guy who's like, who has the grossest, wheeziest laugh. So it's so good. Uh, but then the imagery of like his dream of all the waiters coming out of the coffins and dancing, oh, yeah, like it's cool. such a beautiful like dream image and it sets up the wonderful last image, uh, which I'll talk about later. But, uh, I, it's actually, it actually kind of moves me the way that the movie ends. It's, you know, cho- it's, it's such a beautiful image. It's choreographed to comedy really well too. Like, especially for the standouts to cameras, there's so many like smart, camera moves that he makes uh carla said look at all the coffins is that the death part of love and death (laughs) (laughs) nope there was more (laughs) you're a major loon uh and then uh sonia first marries a herring merchant (laughs) right which is this sweet old guy who just loves herring and can only talk about herring i don't know why i always think that herring is a bird heron a heron heron is a a bird yeah Thank you. <laughs> Very similar. Yeah, it's because you always elide your G's and think that people are just talking about a heron. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, herring's just a tiny fish that they eat a lot of in Scandinavian it's countries. Very good. One yeah. of the most perfect meals of my life I had in Amsterdam, and it was pickled herring from a street I think vendor. We had herring. We in had pickled Copenhagen. herring in Copenhagen. Yeah. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> uh, but the guy's death scene where he's like, uh, off into the darkness, like the great wild herring. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, one of the dumbest jokes in the movie, but one that just cracks me up so much is when he's training for the war. So he's in the Russian army in like 1805 and there's a, a black drill sergeant who's like running the troops. He's like, you love Russia, don't you? <laughs> it's just like that stereotype of the, you know, I know this is before officer and a gentleman, but the Lou Gossett drill sergeant type and it's so dumb but Woody so Allen's funny that to me. good that he was able to parry an- that before it even happened he anticipated it yeah um <laughs> when we start to see him at war and uh, there must have been a thing of him putting up a tent right because you said uh mm-hmm. hey it's like when you were putting up the tent carla and i just went camping for the first okay. time a couple months ago and i had the hardest time putting up a tent yeah it was real funny <laughs> yes i'm like Our what time you pitching a tent there's pills for that <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, James. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, like Woody Allen, I'm at two with nature. Um, <laughs> there, uh, and then uh, at dinner with the hic- uh, the hickle guy, the herring guy, the hickled pairing. Um, d- you cut to Diane Keaton falling asleep because he's so boring, and Carla said, "That's me at all of your movies." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. That was kind of mean. <laughs> uh, when we see him at the opera, he's making eyes at the uh, oh, Contessa from across the room. That's a funny thing. Yeah. yeah. Bit. And he's kind of like waving a fan. And Carla said, oh, creep. He looks like it. You know who it is? Well, uh, the Penny, clown. Pennywise the clown. Have you seen the trailer oh, for yeah. the new movie version of yeah. it? Yeah, it's it's we, terrifying. We just saw it. Carla is not going to see this movie. No, this is the scariest trailer I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's yeah. a pretty fucking scary trailer. Yeah. That clown. No. I jumped at the trailer the first time I saw it. Yeah, it's pretty scary. I, I don't know if I'm going to go see it. I'll go see it. <laughs> But I like being scared. As long as I got a hand to hold, I'll be fine. Yeah. Will Jasmine see it? Oh, yeah. She Oh, she can't wait to see it. She loves – like horror movies are actually – she loves Halloween and horror movies. So oh. that's that's more her jam then. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to see it. Uh, I read the book when it came out, whenever that was. I saw the miniseries on TV. I can't. But, yeah, this looks traumatizing. Like, And is it all just when they're kids? Because in the miniseries, it's like – Kids and adults. The book too, yeah. It's half and half, but it doesn't look like there's any adults. I know. It looks them. like it's all. It looks like sort of like a different kind of Stranger Things, mm. you know, yeah. in a way. Like, but uh, it clearly was a big influence on Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Carla thinks they're setting it up for a sequel that yeah, gets to I the adult the versions of them. What would the sequel be called? It's. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh. They kind of repeat the the same joke uh, a couple of times because when he's at war and he's like, uh, and the the soldiers are comparing notes and there's a guy who's like, I got a lock of my wife's hair. <laughs> it's like it's an entire fucking wig full of oh, hair. Oh, that's the hair bit. Yeah, you know that when that came. You no, know, you're also thinking of that. Uh, uh, Yvonne's widow gives Sonia his mustache. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying that they kind of repeated that same bit, but it's funny in both cases. Mm-hmm. Um. I think this is on the herring merchant. Carla said that looks like the grandpa from Willy Wonka. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a lot. Jack, a lot of bit. Jack Albertson. Um, after he makes love to the Contessa, uh, Carla, or the Countess? Is she a Countess or a Contessa? I think later the Contessa is who Diane Keaton's pretending to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, you're right. Um, but she says, you're the greatest lover I've ever had. And Carla said, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another r- running Woody Allen bit for his whole career is equating food with sex and sex with food. <laughs> so, uh, if you look for it, it's in all of his movies. Um, but the, when they're, when they're making a, uh, a sexual assignation, uh, and he says, uh, I'll bring the soy sauce. And Carla said, what? <laughs> As if you weren't sure what soy sauce could be used for in that context. I, I have no idea. Oh, I know. <laughs> There are a couple of uh, laugh lines that are that are more 1975 and couldn't be done now. But there was a line of like he contemplated suicide by inhaling next to an Armenian. Oh, (laughs) Carla said, "Yikes!" (laughs) That one's one. If you go to the quotes, like if you Google quotes, that one's like number one from the movie. So really, yeah, maybe that one's had some uh, come under some fire. Sure, you're particularly sensitive because we live next to Glendale. Um, and then there's another joke where she goes to see the rabbi, right? Who's this elderly guy and she's standing on his beard. (laughs) He's like, get off of my beard. Um, I don't remember that at all, but he's, uh, He's explaining the uh, the secret of life, or she asks him the meaning of life, and he's like, blonde 12-year-old girls, two oh, of them. Oh, my God. And Carla said, right. that's the kind of stuff where you're like, oh, boy. Yeah. I think he would have cut that out if, uh, yeah. If he had married his stepdaughter. Which, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I did notice that throughout the whole movie, Diane Keaton has the same hairstyle as Princess Leia. She does, yes. I, did I say that out loud? You did not. But oh, were you I was thinking, thinking it? it? Were you thinking it? Yeah. That was just me anticipating Carla's inner but this thoughts. This is before Star Wars, right? Before Star Wars. Again, Woody before Allen. Up. Woody Allen <laughs> looking forward. Way ahead of his time. Uh, I believe that's all the Carla's quotes I have really? on the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else you want to add? Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I love, love, love the last scene with, uh, Jessica Harper, mm-hmm. um, who, uh, that's the, her only appearance in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what else has she been in? I love that scene too. She's, uh, she's one of his girlfriends in Stardust Memories. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, she worked a lot in the late seventies, early eighties. She's famous for the horror movie Suspiria. Well, by uh, Dario Argento. Okay. Um, and I think there was. Sorry that I asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's a very she's a very good actress. I think I and, looked her up. She's from Chicago, Illinois. Is she really? Yeah, just to just to toss in something I know. Uh, but I think that's definitely the uh, the persona parody, and it's definitely a three sisters parody too. Yes. Of them like looking out that the felt window. Very on point for the parody. Yes. To me, I was like, oh, here's the scene that I've been waiting for this whole movie. <laughs> Plus, she has that good joke. I don't want to be married. I, I only want, want to get divorced. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a great joke. And again, she really sells it by, by playing it real. Um, but then that final image of Boris waltzing off with death, uh, running through the trees together is just such a beautiful I love Diane Keaton's like, you're the love of my life. And he's like, well, thanks. Thanks. I'm dead. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to go be dead. Yeah. But, but it, 
it plays up like the magic realism of like talking to people like right after they've died, like establishes that early on and it becomes a running thing throughout the, uh, the whole movie. And I, I like how straight that's played and similar to Annie Hall, which like, uh, has like, uh, jarring, you know, mesh of tones like throughout. And you, you really feel like he's putting everything but the kitchen sink in of just like, here's anything that could possibly be in a movie. Uh, and I'm going to put it all in. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think in, in some ways this was a test run for Annie Hall. What did you think? There's this moment at the end of the movie where he's still in jail and he gets visited by a uh, like a an angel type figure, mm-hmm. like an angel from heaven. Yes. That says, and spoilers are okay. Yes. I yes. Listen to this. Yes. Um, this thing's one big spoiler. Um, that uh, uh, you know, don't worry, you're not going to be executed the next day. Um, he's visited by an angel while he's ba- waiting to be executed. And then the next day comes and that doesn't happen. Do you think that's a larger comment on like the pointlessness of religion? I, I was just thinking about that today because Maybe. it seems significantly different in his movies that an angel, a Christian type figure would come yes. rather than something from Judaism to give him this sort of empty promise. Yeah. No, there's, you're right. There's nothing like that. I'll swear in his movies. movies. I guess it could be Satan lying to him. It could be Satan lying to him. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious. Hmm. Hmm. Something to, that is an interesting thought. Very philosophical. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you. James. (laughs) Uh, Carla, you want to give this a letter grade? Um, wheat. Uh, You're giving it wheat. B minus. A B minus. Okay, what does that B minus stand for? Uh, um, bitch, we got four more Woody Allen movies <laughs> to go through. <laughs> oh. uh, what, what's your favorite one? Did we get into that before? My you, favorite Woody Allen movie. Yeah. In my memory, it's Hannah and her sisters. Okay, but I'm mm. interested to see if that will be the truth. We will be. Re- we will be covering that. Yeah. Annie Hall is a close second. Yeah. I love Purple Rose of Cairo. Yes, which you you did which give I an knew. A when we when we watched yeah. it, and I already knew yeah. that I loved that. James, letter grade for you. Oh, uh, this is this is an A plus movie for me, without <laughs> a doubt. And and even watching it again, it they do not make comedies like this anymore. Hmm. Uh, comedies that are so well, well, there's great comedies being made, but nothing that is quite this choreographed has such a comedic point of view, um, and puts itself out on a limb comedic comedically. Um, and makes you think, and it makes you think too. It's got something for the, it's kind of like a Pixar movie in a way. It's got the dumb jokes for the kids and the really highbrow stuff for the parents or both for me, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, that's what I love about it. And yeah, it endures. If I had a list, it would be moving up a notch. Oh, wow. <laughs> is what, is this your favorite Woody Allen movie? No, no. My favorite Woody Allen movie, I think is Broadway, Danny Rose, even though it's not oh. his interesting. I choice. just, that character is so sweet and his, uh, like stable of, uh, terrible vaudeville terrible acts. vaudeville acts yeah. it just sucks me and mia farrow is so brilliant in that movie that's one of her best performances definitely she, she's just incredible in that, that film i've seen all of it um so that one kind of just like she's like a brooklyn-esque gangster's girlfriend in it so she's kind of she's in a blonde wig and she's talking in a you know brooklyn accent like it's a very different performance for she's her she's got these sunglasses she's smoking cigarettes she's like a real 
real character. Um, it's great. I also she, like Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I just realized. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one too. Yeah. I like that. Uh, have you seen Crisis in Six Scenes? No. That is his Amazon TV show. Oh, I have not. No. And it's uh, it's basically six 20-minute episodes. So it's a little like an extra long Woody Allen movie. And boy, does it feel like an extra long Woody Allen movie because it is so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like it, a Woody Allen Shadows and Fog movie? or, a, or Yeah, it's around that uh, of his worst movies, which is like September, Shadows and Fog. But this is going for comedy, you know. Uh, when Miley Cyrus is the best part of a Woody Allen movie, oh, like, boy. you know, you're in trouble and she's pretty good in it, actually. <laughs> uh, but he just seems so tired and old and it, and his comic timing is completely gone. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really lethargic performance. Uh, I, I guess the other reason to see, I did, you know, just as uh, a Woody Allen completist, I sat through every episode and it's real rough. Uh, but the great Elaine May plays his wife in it, and it's worth seeing just to see her. Yeah, she's not really at the top of her game either. You know, she's in her mid eighties now, and like her timing is not that great. But it's Elaine May, and she's awesome. You know? Yeah, so, she never did enough. Yeah, she no, ne- she didn't. She it's didn't. Really a bummer. Yeah. Speaking of Ishtar, which she yeah which she directed. So just to get another performance out of her is is good, but I think it's it, it's literally. You can tell that they only did one take on a few things because people are blowing their lines like left and right. Like I know that kind of improvisational feel of a Woody Allen movie, uh, but this just feels like somebody stumbled over their line and they left it in. Like mm. it's it feels very amateurish. Like he didn't put that much effort into making this show for Amazon. Well, it's interesting because his movies seem to be still at a pretty high quality. Um, at least as far as in professionalism, at least if yeah. not right. actual quality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Midnight in Paris was a was a was a good movie. Yes, I like that movie. Yes, I thought Midnight in Paris and Blue Jasmine were both oh, yeah, I like uh, excellent. But uh, yeah, I mean he's he's been in a twenty five year down <laughs> slow decline, <laughs> slow decline with some exceptions. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah, this movie still holds up as hilarious to me. It'll stay right about where it is. On the list. Cool. Um, oh, I also I don't, want. I, I don't begrudge you that. Okay. I had that. one thing, and I wrote this down to tell you, but I forgot. The thing that you have about wondering where things are now in movies, <laughs> I have that, and I've always had that. Like, um, it's mostly garbage and dogs for Carla. Garbage, dogs, people. I'm like, where's that person? I wonder what the bones look like. Yeah. Uh, but not that weird. But um, like every time they use the bottle, I'm like, I wonder where that bottle is right now. Yeah. Is it in a landfill? Is it on a shelf somewhere? Yeah. In a prop? So I've had that forever, and Yay. I just wanted want you to know I share that Thanks, with you. James. I wanted to make sure to mention that. <laughs> I did think that with his costumes. This time there was a scene and he's in a costume and I was like, where is that costume now? Yeah. Is it like in a warehouse somewhere? Is it a keepsake somebody kept from the set? Yeah. yeah. Um, you guys are both major loons. It's um, pretty weird. <laughs> well, you want to improvise a scene? Yeah. It'd be an honor. Um, you know, I, I probably want to play Woody Allen. I think James probably wants to play Woody Allen. Carla, I know you want to play Woody Allen. So why don't we just do three Woody Allens? I wanted to do Diane Keaton. You want to do I don't Diane mean to Keaton? I say no, but okay. I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to do Diane Keaton again. Maybe okay. in Annie Hall, but we'll see. Okay, great. Great. So um, I'll be uh, Boris Grushenko, mm-hmm. Woody Allen's character from this movie. Uh, and then James, you can play Alvy Singer. 
Okay. Which is Woody Allen's character oh. from Annie Hall. Great. And Got then it. maybe you can be both Diane Ke- You can be Annie Hall and you can be Sonia from, from this movie. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> or just or just pick your favorite. Pick your favorite. I'm just gonna play the character from this movie. Okay. Be the mean Diane Keaton that stormed into your face. <laughs> <laughs> Boris. Y- y- yes. What is it, Sonia? I've made dinner for you. Oh, more of your famous blintzes. Yes. Um, I, I can't eat any more borscht. You know, it's a cold beet soup. It's driving me crazy. I'm sorry. I just came in from the bathroom. There's black soap in there. <laughs> Whose is that? Is that for a face or what is that? Uh, I'm going to make lobster. Does anybody want lobster for dinner? Boris, this is my friend Alvi. Uh, uh, nice to meet you, Alvi. Oh, my uh, God. You're, what a handsome... You're a handsome devil as well. What what is, you know, I'm a practicing heterosexual, but, you know, maybe I'd be a bisexual if... if Things get rough. Oh, you're, you're sexually magnetic, and I'm immediately drawn to you. How, where, where's this guy from? How, how do you know him? Well, he's uh, a good friend of mine from New York. We play tennis occasionally. Um, our friend introduced me, and well, look at her ties. Aren't they weird? It's offbeat. New York? Like, where, where, when did you have time to go to New York? Well, when I went to sleep last night, I traveled there in my dreams. In your dreams? I wish I had dreams like that. I, I dream about <laughs> Cossacks killing me. <laughs> I dream things, and then they come true in real life. Yeah, I dreamed too. One time we were in New York and I was hanging out with her brother. It's Christopher Walken. And he told me a scary story about driving. And so I just wished I could be anywhere else but there. Do you want to meet me in the bathroom with some soy sauce in a little bit? Yeah, I'll bring the soy sauce. Boris, all of your dreams are coming true. You get to go to the bathroom with yourself. That that is my dream, you know. I'm the I'm trying to enter a, a masturbation competition. So <laughs> me too. Maybe we could go doublesies. <laughs> Let's go doublesies. That I'll sounds fun. Sk- sketch drawings of it. <laughs> Thanks, Sonia. That's very nice, Annie. <laughs> See, See, you did play both characters. Kind you were of. you were brilliant. I did, I did have Sonia mostly. Oh, uh, that was great. That was great, uh, and well justified as to how how all those characters. If it was <laughs> Annie, it would have been more whiny. I think. sure, yeah, la di da. Sonia's more detached. You were Annie to me. <laughs> uh, James, was it as strange to be on the podcast after listening to it as all of our guests have said? <laughs> well. I w- are you okay? Oh, sorry, I just had a million um, sneezes. No, I was very nervous. I got here in half an hour early. While you, uh, you and you guys were just trying to have a nice walk of your dogs, and I hear it. There I was with donuts and a coffee a half an hour early. I was like, ah, I just actually been... liked it. I was like, that's who I am too. I show up everywhere early. Um, yeah. and we were ready to go. Yeah, it was. Uh, we were happy you were here early, and thank you for the donuts, which were a crispy cream of like he's not fucking around. Good nope. stuff. No, that's that's, that's good stuff. I only bring high quality stuff. You know, the first time I was a little nervous. I'm sure by the third or fourth I'll be great. You know what I mean? <laughs> like all the kinks will be out, and I'll just be ready to go. Uh, where can people find you online? Anything uh, you want well, to promote? You can watch me scream at the president on Twitter yeah. at uh, Wooden Breakfast. Um, at Wooden Breakfast. Uh, wooden yes. Breakfast. Uh, my my. What do they call it? My deal. At what's it called? Oh, handle. I'm not a big Your Twitter deal. guy. My deal. My deal. <laughs> At Wooden Breakfast. It's named after a radio show I had in Chicago on okay. uh, on uh, WLUW for years and years. 
Um, but uh, other than that, I, I was just in a, a, sh- a short film and um, I'm doing a bunch of stuff and uh, trying to, you know, I'm just an actor. I'm an actor in L.A. and getting <laughs> it done. You're a writer, too. I'm, I'm a writer, too. I, uh, me and my uh, writing partner, Timothy Horner, are writers for hire. And yeah. uh, so if you're listening and you need a, a couple of funny guys, there's not many uh, writers here in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just... Tra- a secret twin on Tuesday nights at I.O. That's right. You're going to be moving uh, see, Oh, yeah. Every Tuesday night, uh, secret twin at I.O. Uh, Craig and Carla are uh, coaches. And uh, so you know it's high quality uh, improvised entertainment. Very funny. Herald team with a lot of great people on it. Uh, Carla, anything going on for you? Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> we are just banking and banking episodes, getting ready for the big move to Portland. Yep. Uh, and we're doing a lot this week. Yep. Right? And they're all. Oh, gonna- yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I feel sweaty. Okay. Well, Carla, uh, Love and Death number 54. Next week, uh, we have episode number 53. I believe Shadows and Fog, that terrible Woody Allen movie we were talking about, maybe came out in 91. Maybe it was 92, but around that time. But 1991, this film won Best Picture for that year. Uh, it, it also won Best Actor. It also won Best Actress. It also won Best Screenplay, and it won Best Director. Krull. <laughs> it's not Krull. I don't even know what Krull is, it by the way. It won Best Performance of a Dog. In my heart. <laughs> Krull did? By a dog. Oh, okay. Best performance by a dog. Uh-huh. This movie that I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Who, who is that dog? Princess. Princess? Isn't her name Princess? Are you thinking of Precious? Precious. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched this movie last night. I'll be here next week, everybody. No, I'm <laughs> did you just watch I, The Silence of the Lambs? I did indeed. Last yeah, night? Uh, two nights ago. Two nights ago. What made you watch it? It was on. Wow. Yeah. And it was on towards the beginning. So we just, I mean, that's one of the movies you can't, you can't turn that thing off. You can't turn it off once it's on. So you've seen The Silence of the Lambs. Many times. And you like it. Yep. Okay. So this should be a fun one then. It should be. And we're actually bringing in one of Carla's oldest friends to do this. Uh, His name is Matt Parker. And he's a jazz musician. He is a jazz musician. This is not the guy who created South Park. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, literally Carla's friend from middle school. Yeah. And uh, he happens, he lives in New York, but he's going to be visiting L.A. And we're going to bring him in. We're going to talk about the old times of watching movies with uh, 11-year-old Carla. And maybe he's going to play a little music for us, too, yeah. while we're on. So please tune in next week. We're going to talk uh, Silence of the Lambs with Matt Parker. Thanks, Craig's listeners, for tuning in. The list is an absolute good. The list is life.